Well, we come to the final session. Now, we do have a tradition, you know, some of us Presbyterians, we like traditions, and there's, there's a few going around. But one that I like to show with you is just to see, uh, show you how church camp has grown over the years. We've been doing this for quite a few years. Um, so, back in 2013, Forest Edge, remember that? Some of you were there? You see how little some of the little ones are that are bigger now? That was 2013 in, at Forest Edge, and then 2014, also Forest Edge. It's grown a bit more. 2015, up a plenty, and then we were back to Forest Edge, and that was when Philip Jensen came, and then Philip Island. So this was two years ago, and that was uh, David Cook out the back there. And then last year with David Jones, remember that? With the dad, uh, well, no, that's not dad, what's that? The floss, okay. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and then this year with our Murray. So praise God for that, isn't it? It's, it's just nice to be a bit nostalgic, reflect on the good old days, and it's still good today. So praise God for what he's done. And uh, a tradition that we've been doing over the last couple of years is uh, something I learned from the West Wing. Uh, the State of the Union. Um, I think the President does it as well, but I'm no President. But really, it's just a time for us as the church family to get together and to reflect on the year that God has given us, the, the year that has been. And also to spend a bit of time just longing. You know, I want our hearts, after what we've heard this weekend, to be longing, yearning, what God will do in us and through us and for us in this coming year. So that's what we're going to spend some time doing. And so let's reflect on the year that was. The year that was. <clears throat> now, I don't know what this past year was like for you, and I know being a pastor, and it's a privilege being a pastor, we hear uh, stories, we're involved in your life, you're involved in my life, and we hear all the joys that you experience, but also the difficulties, the dark times that some of you are going through, and and, and it's just good to do life together. But what has this last year been like for us as a church family? Well, um, this past year, last time this year, we were here. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but uh, yeah, we were in an interesting situation in our church family, if you remember. Uh, we actually had also another meeting coming up after the church camp. Uh, but it was a good year for even, uh, Ms., uh, who is it? My wife Yvonne, that's right, Yvonne and myself, just to reflect on, you know, what, what are we on about in life, um, what are we here for, how are we going to use our life in service of God, and so come, what was it, no, October, November last year, uh, somehow you're stuck now with me as your minister, so I don't know if that's good news for you or bad news, but we certainly count it a privilege to be stuck with you as well in this church for the time being as God would have us. And so last year was in fact quite a big year for us. You might not be aware of that, but it was quite a big year, but a wonderful year because we can see uh, God's work, um, work of grace all the way throughout. Tough grace, severe mercy, but grace nonetheless. And we see his blessings in, in not just our lives, but the lives of you guys. And so just thinking about the year that has been. Last Sunday morning, someone at the door commented to uh, me, he's a recent visitor to our church. He said, I noticed in your church, you get a lot of people serving. You know, there's so many ministries happening, so many people doing things uh, at the service, behind the scenes and so forth. And I said, yeah, upon reflection, that's so true. It's so wonderful, isn't it? Because 
often what, what you'll see in a normal church, you'll see 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And upon reflection, and I did a little bit of number crunching, it's not the case in our church, and praise the Lord for that. It, it is at least 50-60% of people who come to our church who are involved in some way in serving the church community. That is brilliant, and praise God for that. And we see it, don't we? We see it each and every week, not just on the Sundays uh, throughout the week, but on the Sundays, people in the kitchen, people looking out the crèche, kids, youth, our growth groups that happens throughout the week. And then throughout the week we've got mainly music, we've got our ESL ministry, we've got outreach, and already we've got a Christmas team thinking about Christmas uh, for the end of the year. And so praise the Lord for all of that. You know, people playing music and singing and serving, using the gifts that God has given you to serve each other for the building of this church under God. And then you hear stories of many of you guys meeting up with um, your non-Christian friends to open up the Bible and to read and to share. Praise the Lord for that. How good is that? To, to hear stories of you catching up with each other. Uh, Bible open, hearts open in prayer. Just like what we heard the other day with Margaret and Helen. Praise the Lord for that. Stories like that. Isn't that exciting to hear? Uh, and then you hear stories of people in the workplace so keen on evangelism, uh, taking their, their lunch times to bring their friends to City Bible Forum, thinking about how can I be intentional in the workplace? Praise the Lord for that. And so you, you reflect on the year and you see God's blessings all the way through. God, in his kindness, building us for his own glory. And, and, and then to hear some of you now taking it seriously, coming to church on time. That's brilliant. But it's not there yet. <laughs> but that's, that's a good thing. And so reflecting on the year that was, many things to praise God for. And, and I guess uh, um, I want to say, in fact, the other thing I want to say is the Board of Management not knowing how it will be on the Board of Management, I praise the Lord for our Board of Management. Godly, super competent, extremely competent, and, and the people we have, the new members as well, and you'll notice in our AGM report that's been produced, you can grab a copy on the way out later, and also their presentation. Super extraordinary people God has blessed us with. Extremely wonderful team to be working with. And also our elders, our session, just a brilliant bunch of men who are keen on seeing Christ honoured and the gospel going forth. So it's just brilliant. So I guess I want to say on behalf of the elders, really, and maybe on behalf of you as well, thank you for your gospel partnership from the bottom of my heart. That's pumping blood at the moment. But you know what I mean. Okay, well, looking forward. Longings in this year to come. So what is to come to mind? After a weekend like this, after all that we have heard and learnt and sort of our minds stretched, our hearts lifted, what are we to be longing for? Well, really, it's, it's longing that we, we not just know stuff, but apply stuff and live it out. Because the things that we've been learning, it in fact affects every single minute of our life. We are made for God, and for God, by God, and for God. And so I want to spend a, a little moment just reflecting on the theme that we've been thinking about. You see, we already know that in Jesus we can worship God anywhere and everywhere. We worship God now. The moment we take off, we're still worshiping God. And we're looking forward to the day when we'll be worshiping God into all eternity with all glory and splendor in the presence of God. 
But now in this life, while we await the coming of our Saviour, we still have to live out a life of worship. But this life of worship will be hard and difficult, but it's meant to be like that. And so I want us to reflect on a verse in Romans, and we read this. The Apostle Paul, he said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and we've heard of God's mercy, it's it's been crushed by grace, remember that term? So wonderful, isn't it? That us filthy, rotten, dirty sinners can somehow enter into the presence of God. Unbelievable. You know, that us can be considered children of God, sons and daughters of God Almighty. I mean, who in the world can call God Father but us? In view of God's mercy, what does the Apostle Paul say? He says, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices, not animals, but holy and pleasing to God. I mean, that's extraordinary if you just reflect on that. And so it means that I'm not offering 10% of my life to God, and I keep 90% to myself. I'm not just going to offer God my left, left arm to God, and I'll keep the rest of the body to myself. I'm not just offering God 10% I think I've done my job of my finances and, and that's it. I'm not just offering God one and a half hours each week when I attend church and the rest of the week is mine. What does it say? Offer your bodies. Not, not just your stuff. Your bodies, your whole life to God. All the time. All the time. And, and, and notice what, what it says there. Holy and pleasing to God. Is that extraordinary? We who were rotten, filthy, dirty sinners can be holy and pleasing to God Almighty. That God in heaven would look upon us and think, you are pleasing to me. Now, you, you bring a smile to my face. Is, is that extraordinary or what? And the Apostle Paul, he, he describes this as what? He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Now, the word spiritual there is an interesting one. In, in some translation, you'll notice it in the footnote. But it comes from the Greek word logikos, which, means, which, which is where we get the word logical from. So it's your logical worship. It's your rational worship. It makes sense. It's consistent. In view of God's mercy, we have to offer this type of worship, which is consistent. Rational, logical. And so what that means then is that it is illogical for us to think part of my life is for me and not God's. It's illogical to think that my career is for me and mine, not God's. It is illogical to think that my life is for me. That's, that's just illogical. You see, what we're called to is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. And so in light of what we've been hearing from Murray this whole weekend, we're walking temples, always worshipping God, gathered to worship, sent out to worship. What do you long for this year? And so this coming year, what is it you're longing for? How will you offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God? I mean, it, it's worth us just not knowing it and understanding it theologically, but what change this will make in our hearts this coming year. And so I want to suggest three points of reflections for you. 
and I'm not, not going to tell you exactly what to do, but I want you to reflect on the difference it should make. So the first one is you and our church family. What difference do you think it should make if you are to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice? You and your church family. Your part as a member of the body of Christ. What difference should it make in your church engagement, in your life with the church, in your service of the church? Now, you see, before I, I said the percentage of those involved in serving, it's about 50-60%. That's extraordinary. But should it be 100%? You know, wouldn't it be illogical if I'm served by the church, but I won't even lift up a finger for the church. It's illogical. So I want you to reflect on you and the church you belong to, you as part of the family of God. Church attendance. Now, it it shouldn't be that hard, is it? We meet once, twice a week, but yet there's still a culture, particularly influences from the world, where our priority for gathering as the people of God it's not first, it's not even second, sometimes third or fourth, so we're irregular with meeting together. So people thought, why is that? And of course, the little one, simple one, but coming on time. <laughs> I say it all, almost every year, but how hard is it? We're, we're never late for work. But it's, it's, it's not a difficult one, is it? But another one I want you to reflect on, you and the church, the reason why I got you to ask someone of a different generation how they came to know Jesus is really I want you to see the joy and the benefits of knowing and relating to those who are of a different generation, particularly the younger ones, knowing those who are older than you, just like what's been happening with Margaret and Helen. Wouldn't that be so good to have far more of that happening in our church? And so our fellowship, not just across our own generation, but across generations. So think about that, and even maybe those you've asked this weekend, consider continuing that relationship. Whether you're in the morning or evening, invest in that for your own good, for the building of this church. And so the first point of reflection, you and the church. The second one is you and the rest of the week, you and the world. So in the church, how you are building, building out the sun, in the rest of the week, how you're going to bring people in. And so those of you who are working in your own profession, how should you think about your own work? Well, what we've already heard, it is part of your worship of God. And it really makes sense, isn't it? It means that you need to do well in your job. I hear sometimes stories of Christians who are lazy in their job. I mean, that should not be on. If you're a Christian, if you're a doctor, you need to be the best doctor. If you're an accountant, you need to be the best at it. You can't be lazy and flippant. I mean, what, what witness is that to God? If I go and see a doctor, I want to see the best doctor there is. And hopefully that's a Christian one. If I want to have an accountant, um, I want the best accountant. And hopefully that's a Christian one who's honest and trustworthy. And so in your own professions, you want to be the best you can. Why? In honour of God. In worship of God, it's part of how you serve the community. But of course, more than that, we're sent out in worship, meaning we're worshipping God, but we're also thinking about those we're engaging with. I mean, it is serious. We're in the business of heaven and hell. It's not a light thing at all. And so that's why I'm so encouraged when I hear stories of some of you taking initiative and being so intentional with your colleagues. 
catching up slowly so that one step at a time they're moving closer to Jesus. And so the second point of reflection, you and your world, you and your week, how will you be intentional with that? Now the third one, the third one applies really to all of us but I'll speak more directly to you younger folks. I mean, um, the, the privileges we enjoy in our church and also in our nation is tremendous. Uh, we're well educated, many of you. Excellent prospects. And not only that, well trained in the Bible. In many parts of the world, pastors have far less training than many of you and are already pastoring congregations. Far less training than what you have. Many of you have been through CU and engage you have far more training already. And so I want to challenge, uh, particularly you younger folks, if eternity is going to be heaven or hell, if eternity and our home is going to be in heaven and, and our desire should be gospel shaped so that we want to see more and more people there, how will you use your life so that you won't die regretting? There might still be going to the profession, that, that is perfectly fine, because there is fruit to be born there, there's work to be done there, in all spheres of life, but for some of you, how will you live the life with the gifts God has given you, opportunities, the training you already have, so that you won't regret, and so for some of you, I want you to take this year to think about, perhaps for me, I might consider, I don't know whether I'll be right for that or not, but perhaps I'll consider full-time gospel ministry of some form. I mean, a church with you who are so competent and capable and with the conviction we should be sending more and more out. More and more out. Not to build our kingdom, but to build a kingdom of God. So take this year, maybe a, maybe a ministry apprenticeship for some of you. And don't think that it's a sacrifice from your career. It's a privilege. For some of you, you think about theological training, some are already doing that. And for some of you, eventually, the mission field. It might be a church, a parish, but the mission field. I mean, we've got a bigger task before us. Now, I'd like to end with just two examples on good role models for us. The first, from our own church. Now, I did ask for permission. A beautiful picture of both of them. When they had a little bit more hair, but not much has changed. <laughs> when Barry, anyway. Um, I, I speak of them because they are, we've got wonderful godly models from within us. And, and to speak of Barry and Margaret, I mean, extraordinary couple. And if you think about it, they did not go into full-time gospel work, but their life is ministry shaped for decades and decades. Uh, I don't know how, I know how old Barry is. I don't, I don't dare to know how old Margaret is. But Barry's been using his life in the service and the worship of God. Um, CU, CU existed back in Barry's days, the Christian Union, Scripture Union, Beach Missions, Wycliffe, an elder of our church for over 60 years. I mean, that is a tremendous responsibility. Some of you are not really aware of what elders get up to. You might think not much, but it's a big load that they bear, partial load that they bear. And some of the stories they hear of, you don't want to hear at all. But for Barry to do that without without 
questioning without any um, concern, but so joyful in doing so. We have our session meetings, which sometimes go past 11, but he's still there. So praise the Lord for men like Barry and us younger men, be like him. Be like him. Investing our lives in the service and worship of God. And, and, and just, uh, I guess, about Barry. One other thing about Barry is he's been at this church for, I think, over 80 years. Is that right, Barry? One church. Now, I would like to see all of you stay at our church for 80 years and get married and produce kids under God so that we'll have generations and every generation always represented. And, of course, Margaret. I mean, look at Margaret and her service of the Lord. Uh, I mean, these two are just ex- exceptional. At the bush dance, they were still going right to the very end. But Margaret now, you know, retired for many years, but involved so heavily in caring, touching base, partial care, but, but there is our ministry. So our younger women, be like her. Be like her. Not in full-time gospel work, but wow, what a model they are. And I'll, I'll end with another example. Now, this one's not from our church. Uh, many of you have heard of uh, the story of uh, Jim Elliot. Rem- remember him? He was a missionary to Ecuador. Uh, him and his uh, four missionary friends that went to Ecuador wanting to reach the tribal people. They spent months in the plains uh, flying past to see where to land. And eventually when they did land, uh, they got speared to death. You know that story? Um, terrible story, but they did so much for the Lord. He only had a short life, only 28 years of age, but he became so famous and known around the world as, as one of the five who, five who died. But actually I want to share the story of his brother. Now, do you know his brother? I suspect not. And that's the other example I want to leave us. His brother, Bert Elliott, uh, his older brother, he was a missionary before Jim in Peru, and he served there for decades. In 2006, he went back to the US for on furlough. And when he was asked about Peru, who got so excited, he says, I can't wait to get back to Peru. He was a missionary up the Amazon River, the Andes Mountains in Peru, for decades. And at about 80 years old, over 80 years old, he was longing to go back. Missionary for 60 years, over 60 years, but unknown to the world. Unknown to the churches. He died under the radar. Be like him. He persevered. He endured much. He served. He gave his life as an offering to God. Be like him. He endured. His brother was like a a meteor, a shooting star. He was just this faint star that came up night after night after night along the same path, unknown by the world. I mean, for many of us, our lives hopefully will be a bit more like him. Persevering, enduring, worshipping God, but unknown. For when we die, God knows. In fact, before we die, God knows. So be like him, be like the Timos. And so my question again to you, what are you longing for this year? We can do so much together under God. We can do so much gathered to worship each week and then sent out throughout the week in worship. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we do pray that in view of your mercy, 
crushed by your grace in your dear Son, Jesus Christ, that we would all indeed offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, and that that be our logical, our spiritual worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.